Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. We've been starting every week this way. Hello, my name is Chris Kipp, and I'm broken. I'm broken. Uh, My money is on the fact that probably you're broken too, that each one of us has a story. We have a life history. We have a mix of things that have happened to us and things that we've done that have created brokenness in our lives. And we're in a series called Soul Care. And uh, you've heard of soul food, right? So this is soul care. It's similar and it's good for your soul. And uh, this is the truly liberating Christ-centered process of applying God's truth to the depths of our souls. Um, I went through a residency program with the Houston Church Planning Network, and I was prepared to be equipped to plant a church. Uh, But what we spent a large amount of time doing, uh, probably about 30% of our time together, was in soul care because they knew, hey, you're stepping into some things and it's going to bring up all the junk of your heart and you need to know what to do. We've been in a, a season on planet earth that has been so difficult for so many of us and it has caused uh, all the brokenness of our lives to come up to the surface, okay? More people than ever are reporting that they're struggling with anxiety and depression and all kinds of mental health things. In fact, um, today I'm going to be talking about the performance trap. That's what, that's what we're going to be talking about, the performance trap. And you might recognize this young lady. The biggest story of the Olympics this year was brokenness. That was the biggest story. Um, Simone Biles, along with other athletes, removed themselves from certain parts of the competition because of mental health reasons. And Simone Biles, who has like broken every record and and has, you know, um, done so much in her sport, uh, walked into the Olympics feeling the pressure, right? Her own training for five years, and you have to be an incredibly driven person to get to this level, so surely she has her own like, performance drive. She has her coaches. She has her team. And she also has the whole nation kind of looking at her and looking to her. And um, she talked about the pressure that she felt in this year's Olympics. And she expected this you know, angry backlash against her because she stepped out of her competition. And surprisingly, people said, we understand because I think this difficult time on the planet has made a lot of us aware of our brokenness. And so when someone says, I'm broken, we all say, we understand. In response to uh, the positive response, she said this, that's the first time I felt like human. Besides Simone Biles, I was Simone and people respected that. And in that quote, 
it just reveals that she must have felt some superhuman pressure to deliver superhuman performance. And so today, I want us to talk about the performance trap. We're going to be in Romans chapter 3, if you have a copy of scriptures. And uh, if you want to start turning there, I just want to describe, before we read this, describe the performance trap, just kind of help you understand what we're talking about. The performance trap is rooted in the false belief that I must meet certain standards to feel good about myself. I'll say it again. The performance trap is rooted in the false belief that I must meet certain standards to feel good about myself. These standards may be connected to our appearance, like our physical appearance, right? You look in the mirror and you're like, I should be in better shape than I am right now, right? I I should look better than I do right now. I, I have standards and if I'm meeting those standards, I feel good and if I don't meet the standards, I feel bad about myself. It could be the, the appearance of your life, the, the, the orderliness of your family. It could be the appearance of your house, right? You watch uh, Home and Garden uh, uh, TV all weekend long, and then you look around your house, and you're like, oh, I hate this place, right? It could be connected to our performance at work, maybe in athletics for our young people or school. It could be connected to our abilities as a parent, could be concepts of being the perfect spouse. You have your list. Here's what it means to be a good spouse. It could be the perfect friend, the perfect son, the perfect daughter, the perfect family member. It could be our desire to demonstrate competence. Like, I want everyone to see that I can manage my life well, that I'm competent, right? And I have some list of things that I'm trying to perform in could be connected to our concepts of being a good citizen. I feel like COVID has brought this out. Some of you might be COVID Nazis. Do we have any COVID Nazis? Self-proclaimed COVID Nazis in the room, right? And it's like, you know every single rule that the CDC has delivered. You know everything the World Health Organization has said. You know all the science. You've read all the articles. And so it's like, maybe in your workplace, you're like, excuse me, are you within six feet of me right now? Right? And you're like, well, no, no, the rules change. Now it's three feet. Wait, wait, did you quarantine? Wait, no, the rules change on that, right? So it's like this moving target of like, it's always changing because we're learning things. And yet there's some of us that are just like, ah, we, we want to be good citizens. Or even this performance could be connected to our desire to be a good Christian, a good Christian. These standards come from three different places. It can come from them whoever they are. Could it be your parents, your grandparents, your coach, your mentor, your older sibling, somebody important in your life that said, look, you need to meet these standards to feel good about yourself. They were trying to motivate you in a certain way, and so they kind of put something on you, and they just developed this performance trap inside of you. It could be coming from me, Right, from you, something internal. I remember the first fight that Casey and I had in our marriage. We were probably like within the first month of being married. We had gone uh, on our honeymoon. We came back. She had made dinner. She was loading the dishes in the dishwasher. And men, what I should have said, what she was hoping to hear, 
learn from my mistakes. She wanted to hear, babe, I'm so grateful that you, not only did you cook, but you're loading the dishwasher. Thank you. You're revolutionizing my whole world. Okay? That's what I should have said. That's what my wife wanted to hear. Here's what I actually said. I was like, hey, uh, you know, if you would put that stuff here, and if you load that, that there, and then move this to here, then you get more stuff in the dishwasher, and it, and it cleans better. She did not appreciate that. Right? Men, you know, the foot in the mouth. You're like, oh. Now, no one came to me and said, Chris, if you want to have a successful life, if you want to be a real winner, you got to learn how to load the dishwasher, right? No, because who cares? Apparently, I do. Do you have things in your life where people are like, no one cares about the, this thing looking a certain way or whatever, and you look at them with fire in your eyes and you go, I care, right? We have our own internal list, standards we must meet. So them, it can come from me, it could come from God. It could come from God, and here's what I mean. That even if you're not a Christian, right? Number one, if you're not a Christian, I'm so glad you're here. And you may even have a sense of like, you know, there is a way that I should live. You know, there's, there's a morality. There's some things that I should be doing. And you have a sense of like, I need to perform. I need to perform. What this results in, the performance trap results in a fear of failure. And it can manifest in many, many different ways. Let's just talk about a few of those ways. It can manifest in perfectionism. We have any, any of you who are perfectionists in the room? A few of you? Yes, yes, me too. My hand's like, I should have both hands in the air on that one. It can be a rules-dominated life. It's like you just have rules. It can be, and this is a key word, the pressure of self-imposed standards. You just feel a pressure inside. It can be religiosity. You're pursuing a religious performance. It could be an inability to receive correction because if someone corrects me, it means that I'm not doing it perfectly. And how dare you say that I'm not doing it perfectly because I'm trying so hard to be perfect. Yep. It could be avoidance. Like you literally, you are avoiding risks. Like, not like gambling your life savings away or buying lottery tickets, like good, healthy risks because I'm afraid I'm going to fail. Low motivation, hopelessness, anger, and resentment. Like, okay, I wasn't going to tell this story, but can I just tell another story about my own sickness for a second just so you can see the, the picture of how deep this goes? So I was leading a... Uh, a men's group. Uh, it was kind of like a house church for college men. I was graduated from college. I'm leading these young men. I'm supposed to be showing them the way to follow Jesus, okay? 
And so we decide we're going to go play basketball one night. Now, when I was younger, I was decent, okay? Decent basketball player, point guard, which means I could dribble the ball fairly well. So I go and I play basketball with the men that I'm supposed to be teaching how to follow Jesus. And there is a Texas State football player in my group, and he's just more athletic than I am, okay? And he's bigger than me, and he shouldn't be better than me, but he was. And I'm dribbling down the court, and he just steals the ball away from me. And here's what I do. In a, in, in a split second, I just turn, and I tackle the guy onto the gym floor at Texas State University. Why? Like, that is sick. I'm supposed to be leading the Bible study and I'm tackling people on the basketball court. Was I angry at him? Not really. I was angry at myself because I should have been better than that. Does that make sense? Like there's, there's things, the anger that comes out of us when it comes to the performance trap that's just like, boom, and it's like, where did that come from? It can result in pride can manifest in despair, depression, literally a crushed spirit because you just fear failure. In severe cases, it can manifest as schizophrenia, which is where you literally create your own world to escape the pain of failure or rejection. It can manifest in a chemical dependency like just whatever that is, alcohol, drugs, pills, something. It can manifest in dishonesty. Like I'm gonna tell half-truths or blatant lies just to make sure that either I don't fail or you don't think that I'm a failure. And it is a serious part of the brokenness that we carry. Let's look at Romans 3. Together, And what I want to do is take the gospel of Jesus and apply it to our brokenness. And that's what we're going to look at today. Paul's uh, writing this book, the book of Romans, to a mixed crowd. And this was a people that had the Mosaic law. He's going to refer to the law in the passage. And the law would have, would have been a, a, you know, 600 plus rules that Moses received from God. So talk about meeting standards to feel good about yourself, that was their whole life, okay? He's gonna speak to people, both Jews and non-Jews, that understood that that mentality, and he's gonna talk about something incredibly important for us to understand today. Verse 21, he says, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets, meaning all the Old Testament was pointing to this moment. Verse 22, the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as an atoning sacrifice in his blood, received through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. 
He's talking about all the people that lived before Jesus, trusted in him. And he's like, look, God's been forgiving people for you know, generations now. Verse 26, God presented him, Jesus, to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be righteous and declare righteous the one who has faith in Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. So Paul, speaking to the people that understood what it meant to meet standards to feel good about themselves, the law, the Mosaic law, he says, look, there's something important that we need to to understand about what Jesus has done for us. And um, in verses 22, he talks about the righteousness of God. This would be like the, the, the very purity, the right standing of God. It's like this was his righteousness, and it's made available to you through What's he say? Faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Meaning, okay, here was the law. Here was the standards that you had to meet. Apart from the standard, apart from meeting that standard, here's the way to actually achieve righteousness with God. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 23, for all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. So the first thing I think we need to understand is that trusting in my performance will never glorify God. It's the first point today. Trusting in my performance will never glorify God. He says all have sinned, and I think that includes me and you and like Mother Teresa, right? even the most holiest people that we can think of, it includes them, includes everyone except for one, Jesus. All have sinned. And that word sin, you probably have heard this before, but that word sin literally means to miss the mark. It was like an archery term. So you have the bow and the arrow and they release the arrow and it goes at the target and they miss the bullseye, right? They miss the middle. And if you didn't hit the middle, it's like sin, You missed it. And so he says to people who were so concerned about meeting the standards, you didn't meet the standards. Meaning you didn't meet God's standards. You've fallen short of his glory. Oh, and by the way, you probably even haven't met your own standards. Amen? (laughs) You've missed God's standards. You haven't lived up to, to God's standards, but Jesus did. And he says, now, the way to glorify God is not keeping the list. It's trusting, it's faith in the one who has done it perfectly in Jesus Christ only trusting in Christ actually glorifies God. Can you hear that today? Only trusting in Christ glorifies God. You're like, no, 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 no. I, I have a list of what it means to be a good Christian. Only trusting in Christ will actually glorify God. Okay? Second thing that I think is so important for us to understand. 
I can be at peace with God because of his grace and not my performance. Let me say that again. I can be at peace with God because of his grace and not my performance. That's what he says after the bad news of like, hey, we've all failed the list. Hello, verse 24, but they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That word grace, we talk about the word grace all the time. It is unmerited favor, unmerited favor. It's like God has favor on you and you, there's nothing that you did to turn his head and make him think, you know, he really is a good guy after all. She really is a good girl after all. I'm gonna save them. Like that never happened. Scripture says that while we were still in our sins, while we were dead in our trespasses, while we were his enemies, that God stepped towards us. We use the, uh, the um, acronym of G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God's goodness despite your performance despite your performance. You see, having my value, my sense of value tied to my list, my performance, creates pressure. Having my value tied to Christ's performance creates peace. And that's a huge, huge change inside of our hearts, especially when we're in the performance trap. He uses a word, and it's an important word. He says that we were justified freely. Now, you need to understand the word justification. We're going to spend a few moments on this, and if you could just kind of put your uh, theology hat on for a moment, like, I want you to dive deep, because this is the concept that has set the world on fire, this is the concept that is, that, that is the beating heart of the good news about Jesus, of the gospel of Jesus. This is the concept that, um, that motivated Luther to nail those 95 theses on the wall. This is massive. And it's actually the entire theme of Romans. If you just tr- trace the word justified throughout this whole book, it's like, it's everywhere. Here's what it means. I think I have a slide for this. Justification is an instantaneous legal act in which, um, legal act of God, in which he thinks of our sins as forgiven and Christ's righteousness as belonging to us and secondly, declares us to be righteous in his sight. So, Here's what you need to understand about justification. It's a legal act. It's an instantaneous legal act that you didn't do anything to deserve. Nothing. You did nothing. Your, your list didn't matter. It was, it, was un, it was uncapable of producing this change. It was, a, it was a legal act. And here's the other thing you need, you need to understand is that when God justifies you, It doesn't change your nature or character in and of itself. You do get changed, but it's called regeneration, new life, 
by the Holy Spirit. Sanctification, God working in us to make us more and more like Jesus over the course of our lives. Justification is an instantaneous act, and it doesn't change anything about you. It's completely unhitched from your performance. To help us uh, understand this, it's, um, I, I want to show you just an illustration of two circles. So there's two circles. One is Christ. The other is you. In the you circle, there's a bunch of minuses, which is all of our sins. It's like if you could take the whole like, list of your sins, which would be a long list for me, I, probably for you too, but like a really long list. Lots of minuses are in my circle, okay? And then we have Christ, and it's like he has no minuses. Literally, he's perfect, and he has only positives, like positive righteousness before God of fulfilling God's his, his will perfectly, sinlessly, all those positives. And then if you could just see the, um, I think it's on the next slide, the, the transfer of all your negatives go upon Jesus in justification at the cross. Literally, he takes all of our list, that whole long list, upon himself on the cross, and he looks at us as forgiven, clean. It's literally it's absorbed all of our list. And here's the important thing to understand if you're a performer. It's not just the list of yesterday or the last 20 years or the, my life up to today. It's all of your sin in the past, in the present. You might even sin before the day's over. I don't know. I hope you don't, but you might. And in the future. God sees the whole of your life, everything that's going to transpire, and he takes all of it upon himself on the cross. Because if you're a performer, you think, thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness. Now I've got to buckle down and get this thing under control, right? I got a list to follow. I need to be perfect. And Jesus absorbs it all, but it doesn't stop there. This is, this is the crazy part. The arrow switches around. If you go to the next slide, and all of the positives of Jesus get put onto you. What? That's crazy. In Isaiah 53 5, he says that he was crushed for our iniquities, all the negatives. But in Isaiah 61 10, he says, He's wrapped me in a robe of righteousness. Third point. Jesus has taken all of my failures and given me all of his successes. Wow. That's crazy. He's taken all of my failures and given me all of his uh, successes. I think about, I don't know if you, when you were a kid, if you ever had to wear your dad's shirt or you like tried on your dad's shirt. I don't, I don't know if you ever did that. My dad was a UT football player. He's a large man. He wears like a 3X. And even today, if I were to go to his house and pull a shirt out of his closet and put on his shirt, he'd be like, that's not your shirt, right? Pretty obvious. Chris, that's not your shirt. It doesn't fit you. And you're like, I know. 
but that's what it is to be clothed in the righteousness of God. It's not my shirt. And if you look at it, you're like, no, not your shirt, man. But it is through Jesus. To be wrapped in a robe, to literally, if you could picture, like, if this was just like a nasty, dirty shirt and it's had all of my sins and my whole story written on it of all the stuff I've done, all, the, all of it. And, and, and Jesus were to take that and put it upon himself on the cross and take that robe of perfect kingly righteousness and put it upon me and be like, this is yours now. Like, that's what justification means. And, and the key is that it's not like all of a sudden I was a magically better person. It doesn't fit, but yet Jesus has given it to us. And it means there's no more penalty for your sins. If you're a performer, you're probably a punisher. When you fail your list, you're like, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna get three accountability phone calls this week. I'm going to... Um, I'm gonna memorize my list. No, I'm gonna change how I do my list. I'm gonna do it first thing on Monday morning. That way I can, and it's like you go through this routine and maybe if it's sin related, you literally will punish yourself because of your sins. And all that reveals is that you don't believe that Jesus took it for you. It means the Father sees you as clothed in the Son. It's not like he's not aware of our issues and our sins, but when he looks at you, he sees the shirt, his shirt on you. The voice that boomed, we talked about it last week at the baptism of Jesus that says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. You're covered in that when the Father sees you, his pleasure extends to you because you're covered in Jesus. Wow. The big idea is that because of justification, we are completely forgiven and fully pleasing to God. You're like, no, I'm not. I know, but you are through Jesus. We no longer have to fear failure. We can be free from the performance trap. So what do we do with this? Well, I think there's a faith step. If we put our faith in the wrong things, we'll fear the wrong things. So when you put your faith in, my belief is that I must meet certain standards to feel good about myself. The result of putting your faith there is fear of failure. I'm so deathly afraid that I'm going to fail at my list of being a right, good person. When I put my faith I believe that Christ met the standards on my behalf. I fear the Lord. Do you see the difference? When my faith is in I must meet the standards, it results in fear of failure. When my faith is in Jesus met the standards, 
I fear the Lord. There's a massive difference. I wish I had the ability to put, we had a Smitty made this incredible wooden cross and I just wanted to put this massive wooden cross right here and then I have a big like mirror in my bathroom and to put another mirror right here but I'm kind of lazy and I didn't want to bring all that up here so it would have been like right here so if you could picture like a mirror and a cross and then if you could just picture like a fork in the road, which one am I going to look to? Does that make sense? Because in one, I'm, all, I'm only going to see myself. But in the other, I can only see Jesus. And when you look at your life, I want you to ask the question, where will I bow? What, what will I focus on? What will I worship? What, what will I put my faith in? Will it be the mirror, my list, or will it be the cross of Jesus? It's a faith step. We all have to make it. I can't make it for you. Your spouse can't make it for you. Your friends can't make it for you. Your mom and dad can't make that for you. It's like, that's your thing. But if you want a way out of the brokenness, we must all make the choice to trust in the cross. We must replace the lie with the truth. Let me close with a vision of freedom. I can pursue excellence without the pressure of performance. You might hear this and be like, cool, I'm gonna let everything go because I don't have to meet any certain standards to feel good about myself, right? I'm just gonna let myself go. Who cares? Well, it's not the point. We should aspire to glorify God with our lives. We can pursue excellence. We can do things well, but the pressure is off because Jesus already did it perfectly for me. And I'm trusting in that, not in my perfect performance. Though I have failed and may fail again, I'm not a failure. Because failure is a word about identity. It's who I am. No, it's not. I'm a human being who's learning in life. And though I have failed and I may fail again, I'm not a failure. I'm a born-again follower of Jesus who bows at the cross and not at the mirror. Failure can't define me because Jesus has forgiven me. I can receive, this is key, I can receive correction because my security is found in Jesus and not in my performance. You could say, hey, Chris, I want to talk to you about something. And I can go into that and be like, thank you for telling me that. I'm going to consider that. And I can walk away without being crushed. I can receive correction. Because of justification, we are completely forgiven, fully pleasing to God. We no longer have to fear failure. Amen? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.